sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk uh, Podcast. Hey, uh, Aaron, I have really been looking forward to this episode. I want to get to our guest as quickly as we can because I want to give him plenty of time. I heard about this guy from uh, Mark Heinrich, Mark and uh, Carrie Heinrich. Uh, Mark was instrumental along with Patrick Peters in launching the Samson Group in McKinney, Texas. Uh, they hosted a retreat that I was uh, a part of about a year ago. And uh, uh, Mark and Carrie told me how transformative in their lives and in their marriage uh, an encounter with uh, Dr. Bruce Hebel and his wife and their Forgiving Forward program has been, and they impressed upon me that this would be a good conversation. Well, then hang in there, listeners. We'll be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. This episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast is sponsored by LifeWorks Counseling. Our good friends, Roan and Eva Hunter and their son, Roe, are not just members of the Samson Society, the Sarah Society. They are also trauma-informed, certified sex addiction therapists with a tremendous amount of experience. Well, they and their team of counselors and recovery coaches are based in Madison, Mississippi, but thanks to the internet, they're able to work with people who live almost anywhere. So to find out more about what LifeWorks Counseling can do for you as an individual or as a couple or as a family or to register for one of their upcoming intensives go to lifeworks.ms lifeworks.ms welcome back to the pirate monk podcast Say, our guest this week is dr bruce hebel he is the uh, author of the acclaimed book for giving forward he's an international speaker with a compelling message that's revolutionizing the hearts of people from all walks of life he's raised in a pastor's home educated to pastor the local church and he's now following god's call to the church at large he has over 30 years experience leading churches all of his training has led to this helping people experience the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness Okay, we got to start with the fact that you just said this is revolutionary, and yet forgiveness is at the center of the gospel and most of Scripture. And yet, I'm not saying it's a wrong word, Yeah, but Bruce, can we start with why this is so revolutionary to people, especially in practical coaching through actual real-life situations, not just as a theological concept? Well, because I think uh, no one, no one in the church, uh, no leader in the church, no individual in the church would say that forgiveness is a bad idea, and the enemy knows he can't convince us that it's a bad idea, so he just he just gets us to salute it without actually doing it. <laughs> oh, uh, and so waters it down that forgiveness is a, is a, oh yeah we have to forgive, but we don't know how to do it. And when we say revolutionary, we're we're talking transformative change in one conversation with someone when they choose to forgive. And, you know, we didn't see it for the 30 plus years I was pastoring a church or, or, or the 
time I spent with my dad as he was pastoring a church. We we did not see this breakthrough until we personally experienced it. Then I had my dad experience it. And then we just started seeing that there's a protocol. There are protocols of forgiveness. And if followed, transformative change takes place. Mm. Well, should we start with the protocols of forgiveness? I think we'd start with the why of forgiveness before we get to the pro- the how. All right. Okay. That's all right. Uh, I think that... Uh, my backstory was I, as a pastor, you mentioned, you know, uh, for 30 plus years, uh, I got, we got wounded deeply a lot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple times, multiple places. Um, uh, one of our children was molested by a church member. Uh, I, I was physically accosted by an elder uh, in a meeting. Uh, I was put out. We were, we were displaced. It was crazy. And Tony calls, my wife calls, the Focus on the Family pastor, Pastoral Hotline one day, which is kind of sad they need one, but they have one, and thousands of people call them every year. Uh, and they said it was the worst story they'd ever heard. Wow. And uh, they said, why Why are you still doing this? Everyone else will quit by now. But we had a calling, so we kept going. But we were in torment. Uh, we, I was, I guess I would say. About a year of my ministry, we'd come to a church that had been um, kind of Disorganized. It was it was in a mess when I got there, uh, and we were able to bring health and healing to the church through my leadership gifts and my teaching gifts. And but in, inside of me, for about a year, I was a mess. I, I the only word I can use is torment, because the scab mm-hmm. from an old wound got knocked off in a current event. And I didn't tell anybody about it because I'm a pastor, right, guys? You guys were pastors, right? We don't tell. We don't have problems. We fix problems. We mm-hmm. foolishly think. Uh, so, but I'm finally at the end of myself and I'm meeting with a counselor, uh, and he says, you got a forgiveness issue. I said, no, 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 no. Kind of goes back to that revolutionary question. I, mm-hmm. I, I did forgive. I, I forgave the guy he mentioned. I, I wrote him a letter and told him so. And mm-hmm. James says, well, I'm, you've got some issue. You and God go away. You figure mm-hmm. it out. And so on a three day retreat in a lake house in Alabama, uh, that a friend of a friend let me use, uh, God just confronted me. And said, you haven't forgiven and mentioned that same guy's name, my friend James had mentioned. And I said, yeah, I did forgive him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, yeah, I know. I read your letter. You shamed him in that letter. And I said, but he did all these things. He said, but how many people have you told about all I did coming out of that event? So how do you blame him and praise me for the same event? And just through a just an interesting intimate moment with God, I chose to forgive that man for the specific things he did to wound me. And I think we're going to, we'll go back to that specific thing question because it has to be specific, right? And I'm free. My heart is completely changed. I went home, shared with Tony, and she got free, shared it with our kids. 11 hours one day, we dealt with old stuff, forgave amazing things in our life, amazing breakthrough in that day. Three weeks later, I'm helping my dad forgive, and God just kind of broadens this thing out. What we realized when we studied it is that God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. And the Lord's Prayer, right? What's the, what's the one clause in the Lord's Prayer with a condition? Mm-hmm. Forgiveness. Forgive, yeah. Yeah. forgive us but, the way you forgave us. Yeah, but most people run, go right past that. They don't realize what we're asking us actually Told, actually told to ask God to set, to to do for us in that prayer is to use the standard I use in dealing with the people who have wounded me as a standard you use to relate to me. 
And we don't mm-hmm. want God using the, anything we do as a standard, particularly how we deal with wounds. But when uh, we talk about a verse with a clause in there, I think there is a there's a fuzzy area in a lot of people's minds. You take a verse like "Confess your sins, uh, so that you'll be healed." There's there's these, oh, I won't have it if I don't get this. What is God abandoning me? And then we can conflate things with, you know, then He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And you know, like, wait, am I not? So if we use the rubric of the the simple Ephesians two eight and nine gospel, right? That, that none of my salvation is on the line in these verses. Then the only way I can interpret verses where I hear, "Oh, if I'm like the unforgiving servant, then am I going to get cast out and tormented and tortured?" It's it's a lot of yes, that's what I will experience. It's not that God is going to torture me. It's not that God. It's not- absolutely. Well, absolutely, Aaron. And, and it, what's interesting is we say, I mean, the, the one clause in the Lord's Prayer that He gives immediate commentary to is about forgiveness. He says, if you forgive others, you, God will forgive you. If you don't, He won't. And again, we're not talking about eternal security. That's a whole different mm-hmm. question. We're secure in Him. But the way we deal with how people, with, People who wound us is how God relates to us while we're walking on the planet. There's a relational shift in us with God when we don't forgive. And you're talking about the ungrateful servant, right? The Matthew 18 story. That's, that is a shocking uh, story when you really get down into it. And I'd read it for decades, taught it before I really got what he was saying, because you know, Peter says hey, seven times enough to forgive, and Jesus says, "No, how about four hundred ninety times, which is unlimited, right?" And then he gives that story that you're referring to, where a ruler came to collect debts from servants who owed him money. Uh, they didn't stop becoming his servants when they didn't pay, but there was a consequence, right? And uh, the first one owed him ten thousand talents. Pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. And he said, "Please, please, please, give me time. I'll pay it back." He didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time, right? right. But very, the ruler, very, very much like the the younger son who returns to his father, let me be your servant. Let me pay this back. No grace involved. Just a little extra yeah. time let, to do. Let me let do me my work, work it. Let me work it off, right? Yeah. But the 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 ruler did more than that. He forgave him the debt. Yes. What's interesting is I didn't know it for years. That is an insurmountable debt. We kind of know that, but the the figures are kind of crazy because a talent was worth. 60 mina and a mina was three months wages for so one talent is a 15 years wages so when you owe 10,000 that's a hundred and fifty thousand years worth of wages please 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 give me time no one has that time right mm-hmm. that's 7.5 billion dollars at 50 grand a year which is kind of the median income that's a rule should- should we pause here and recognize how much we try to pay God the gospel back so that we're cheap salvation? Hey, I was a low cost one for you, God. Yeah. And it is yeah, yeah. always 150,000 years ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. This same servant refused to forgive a guy who owed him 100 days wages. I mean, that's, that's a manageable debt. That's, that's a car loan, and it's not even a good car, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, the ruler summoned him, it says, and he said, he said, you wicked servant, which was not a compliment. He mm-hmm. said, I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Should you not have also shown mercy to the fe- your fellow servant who 
in the same way I showed mercy to you, which I think is a pretty legitimate question. Yeah. Then the text says, Jesus, again, this is a pretend story he's telling. He's, he's, he's answering a question with a story. And he says, My, the, the ruler handed him over to the tormentors until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point in the story? He didn't know. The, he didn't no. know. the Yeah, because he didn't know. The, you can't legally, legally reclaim a debt you've forgiven. Right. So he didn't know the money. He owed mercy to the next guy. Yeah. Mm. Jesus leaves the parable. And, um, and and begins addressing the question. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. Well, if you, what? My father will do what? Well, in the context, can't, yeah. talk, you can't, it can't mean anything but hand you over the tormentors, right? Right. And, and the torture in that day was a man assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Horrific, horrific experience. Didn't kill him, tormented him, right? Tortured him. Well, the word is also translated torment. It's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. Of the other 17 times, maybe there's one exception, but every other time it's used in connection with hell or demonic activity. So what Jesus is literally saying is that when we don't forgive, having been forgiven the insurmountable debt, and we don't forgive someone who has a wound that we've been wounded by, God literally hands us over to demonic tor tormentors to torment us. And it's not because we've been wounded. It's because we haven't forgiven the wound. And the Father's not doing it. He's allowing it to happen. You see, God doesn't ever fight Satan. He uses him. Satan thinks he's fighting God, but God uses his fight against Satan. So he uses him to discipline us. Um, and let's let's put this into some practical terms. Uh, as you have coached and pastored people who have not forgiven, what are the physical manifestations in their life, such as depression or what, what comes out in people's lives when they're holding well, on to bitterness? Well, we see it in this way. We see it depression, anxiety, uh, Outburst of anger, all of the addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, sex addictions, uh, control addictions, um, uh, paranoia, some physical issues. Guys, we have seen people physically healed simply by forgiving. Mm -hmm. And we didn't ask for healing. One lady had a, was it operating at 20% in her heart, was on the heart transplant list. Tony coached her, my wife coached her to forgive. The next week she goes back to check and uh, to her regular checkup. And they ran the test twice because they didn't believe the first time. And they said, your heart's at 90% capacity. We're taking you off the transplant list. And that was, I think, eight or nine years ago. Tony talked to her not long ago. She's just doing great. And it's not not every physical issue is connected with unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. But if they are connected with the torment of unforgiveness, when the forgiveness happens, the torment leaves. Um, we had a guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to get it. You use the, the phrase, choose to forgive. And I, I've got this in my head a certain way. And if I'm wrong, correct me. There is a certain choice that man could have chosen to forgive the debt. That was a physical thing he could have done. Um, what I can do to choose to forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean that the pain of what they did to me won't ever come up again. Sometimes people go to the, well, God forgives and he forgets. Well, yeah, well, I'm not God. So stop <laughs> telling me I'm supposed to forget. Don't put that on me. 
I may still remember, and that remembering may bring about pain, but what I can do is have a conversation with God saying, when that comes up, it'll between, be between me and you. I won't aggressively or passive-aggressively make the other person pay. That's a choice I can make. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out the choice piece of this. Yeah, what yeah, am I doing? But, and, but then, there's, then there's the other part to me that's a byproduct part. In that story, what was supposed to have motivated that guy was his understanding of what he had been forgiven. Because I forgave you, you ought to have got this. And I think this is the byproduct of growing in my gospel identity. The more I understand what I have been forgiven, the harder it will be to not forgive other people. Deep forgiveness becomes a byproduct of my gospel journey in understanding my identity through the person and work of Christ. So we've got a choice side and a byproduct side. Talk to me about it. Yeah, and I think one would be, I would almost say it different. You have a choice side and you have a uh, a benefit side, right? Okay. So, uh, and, and the choice, uh, and we're going to, and, and we're kind of jumping ahead into protocol number six, because you're, you're right, you can't choose to forget something, but you can choose what to do with the memory. And uh, and so let me let me park that over here for a second because okay. we're going to get to that. I'm going to build up to that because the tra- forgiveness isn't a trans a, a process; it's a transaction, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes. Okay. But all this is a discipline. One quick story is we had a guy couple who came to us. Um, she'd caught him with pornography mm-hmm. a few weeks before. Uh, they'd been married 14 years, had two kids. Uh, she thought the marriage was perfect, and he confessed to a 25-plus-hour-a-week habit, mm-hmm. plus multiple affairs, mm-hmm. including with his wife's best friend. Mm-hmm. And she said, don't ever touch me again. I'm not, we're not ending the marriage but because of the kids, but don't, we're, we're done. Somehow she got her to come, he got her to come see us about three or four weeks later. Well, he had had an encounter with God in the middle of that, right? After that, he was broken. And, and so he actually put his faith in Christ for the first time, thinking he had done it as a kid, but he really had never really understood the grace of God. And he put his faith in Christ and he told her, and she goes, that's awesome. Don't ever touch me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they showed up and in a span of three hours, uh, we coached him to forgive. And what, what, what his story was, I asked him, who wounded you when you were a kid? And he said, my sister. From time, And from the time she he was... Six to eleven, his older sister used to molest him, mm-hmm. and which explains a lot of the sexual deviancy and the, the 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 near incestuous relationship he's having with his friend's best wife and wife's best friend and all that. Mm-hmm. He forgave his sister, who was unrepentant, by the way. He forgave himself, mentioning that for 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 what he did, mentioning the women he did it with. Uh, and then Tony coached her to forgive her father, who had had the same lifestyle, and her husband. And when they when they were done, they stood up, and she went and embraced him and hugged him. And uh, on the way home, he put his hand out to hoping she would hold his hand. He, he told me later he didn't. She didn't hold my hand. She unbuckled her seatbelt and snuggled next to me. We saw him two weeks later, and she said, "Our marriage has never been this good." That's that's the sign of torment was driving the pornography and the addiction. But when they forgave, everything shifted. Now, the question becomes why, which is kind of the choice versus the byproduct question, I think. 
the reason, it, it, because it's a discipline, right? It's not, God's not punishing us. He's disciplining us. And a discipline is always to bring us in alignment with the gospel, to bring us in alignment with who he is in us and to be alignment with his truth. And God's discipline always extends up until, but no farther than we repent and align ourselves up with God. When the discipline accomplishes its goal, the discipline ends. That's why the tormentors leave, because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. You can't cut the gospel anywhere. We don't. It doesn't bleed forgiveness. Because on the cross, Jesus stretched out his arms. He says, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin debt of the world. Mm-hmm. Which means everyone who's ever lived at any point in time in history, on any place on the planet, his, their sins were paid for by Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's reconciled to God, but he paid for everything on the cross. First John 2, 2, he is the satisfaction, full payment right. for our sins, but our not sins only ours, the-, the sins of the whole world, right? Right, right. So when we say, and the God the Father, three days later, raised him from the dead, he said, I agree. I receive the blood of my son as payment in full for the sins of the world against me. So when we say we won't, God may forgive, but we won't, we're saying the blood of Jesus is not enough for us. I need something more than that. And God disciplines us for the dishonor that we bring to the blood of Jesus, what who paid for our sins when we don't forgive others. And let's let's pause here with the word discipline because some people hear that as well. That's mean. I'm the one that was hurt. Now I'm struggling with forgiveness. Now I'm being disciplined, and we forget that God's discipline is an act of love to bring us Absolutely. back into wholeness. That He won't leave us in a place. And in fact, that torment we experience is driving us back to being whole. Correct. Correct. Just just in case any listeners are hearing the word discipline and remembering some uh, parent or person in your life that their discipline was punitive and cruel, that's not what we're talking about here today. Yeah, and I would just, and, uh, the distinction I made earlier would be punishment is punitive. Mm-hmm. Punishment makes you pay. Yeah. Discipline draws you back to rightness. And so God disciplines us for love because it's not good for us to dishonor the blood. And it's not good for the people we're around that we dishonor the blood. And so God disciplines in the same way that I disciplined my son one year when he was being uh, incredibly disrespectful and disruptive to my wife. And I removed the option of living at home from him. (laughs) I said, Mm -hmm. you're not ceasing to me, my son, but you don't get the benefit of living here because you're not honoring your mother. And if I let you do this, I'm telling you it's okay. I'm telling your mom it's okay. I'm telling your brother it's okay to treat a woman that way. And I'm telling your sister it's okay to be treated that way. It's not okay. So when God disciplines, he's showing us that we can't, He it's not okay to live inconsistent with who he has made us to be. Okay. Pause on that thought because this is a practical problem for some people that believe, oh no, I need to forgive. I need to forgive my son who's living like that. If I tell him he can't live at the house, then I'm not being forgiving. And somehow forgiveness creates codependent relationships where we enable bad behavior and remove the consequences from the people in our life. So how do I walk in forgiveness but wisely understand that sometimes I need to let the consequences of someone's behavior, especially ongoing behavior, their consequences need to be borne by them and not me, and that's not the same as forgiveness? Yeah, and I think the confusion in that is that people a lot, a lot of people think forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. 
if I forgive you, we're, everything's good. No, if I forgive you, everything's paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgiveness requires, re- reconciliation rather, requires two pieces. It require, requires forgiveness from the wounded party's part, which says what they did was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. It doesn't say it's okay. doesn't say it doesn't matter. doesn't mean I'm glossing it over. I'm saying it was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. And so we come to this table of reconciliation, what we, what we call, with the Father, Son, and the Spirit already sitting there. We're sitting at the table. The other party brings who did the wounding brings repentance. And repentance is changing your mind, not your behavior. Yes. Although behavior always follows your right. mind or eventually follows your beha- your mind. But if you make the behavior the evidence, then we're not acknowledging Romans 7, which says the things I do in my flesh, I can't ever do right. And so if I'm trying to serve God in my flesh, God won't let me, so I'll fail. So I've got to get into to, to the spirit and understand how I'm supposed to live that way. That's well, is, it, is, it, is it true that even the reconciliation piece between me and God and me and other people starts with confession, which is to say the same thing as not to admit something, but both people saying the same thing, they're homo legaling and that, that that's that first step. And then we change our minds. We repent because we agree with the party that was offended. So I confess to God. Yes. I'm saying the same thing as you. And then the repentance of, and I changed my mind, what I thought was good for me or how I serve myself is not right. I believe your way is right. But yeah, I, I would probably reverse those. Okay. Because the confession is the declaration of the repentance. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to say the same thing as you, I have to change my mind to align myself with you. Yeah. Right. So right. repentance is meant to know, change my mind. Yeah. And so what I did was wrong. I, I repent. The confession is telling you I did, what I did was wrong. Okay. So reconciliation takes place when the wounded party forgives and the wounding party repents. What I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? Mm-hmm. At which time the wounded party says, thank you very much, but Jesus has already paid for it. So I have a seat at the yeah. table. So back to that codependent false forgiveness where mm-hmm. we just enable, oh yeah, I forgive you. So you don't have to repent. You don't have to, to agree. I'm removing this. That's when I find that what the forgiveness that I'm doing isn't the whole process or I'm trying to skip reconciliation or I'm trying to do cheap reconciliation. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that I think in what, what if God is not willing to any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Right. Mm -hmm. But not all come to repentance Mm -hmm. at some time point in time. If someone who has been forgiven refuses to acknowledge their need for forgiveness and line themselves up under the gospel message of the cross, God will codify their decision not to be reconciled forever at the moment they die. So God is not reconciled with everyone he has forgiven. And so that that's where it has. So with our son, we did it because I, I was protecting my wife. I was protecting my other kids. I was protecting the household. This, this, his behavior wasn't acceptable. The quick follow-up on that is nine months later, God brought him to the end of himself and he came back and he, he's now, you know, doing great serving God, went to Bible college, it, it, all sorts of stuff. So there, there was a 
consequences of the discipline on him that brought him to the end of himself that allowed him to turn his mind back to God and actually truly repent. And so that that's where I think people get crazy on this. We, boundaries are great, and I think you have to set boundaries. But if you set a boundary before you forgive, it'll be self-protective mm-hmm. and self-serving. Mm-hmm. But if you do it after you forgive, it will be grace-filled, and it will be for their benefit. Because it's not it was not good for my son to be able to do that. Right. And his, his relationship with his wife now, I believe, is somewhat different because of the discipline I required of him. Okay. I, I love that. I love that. So for people struggling right now with, I'm not being loving, I'm not forgiving if I make some of these hard choices with relationships in my life, uh, just laying that foundation of forgiveness first and then making the, the practical decisions on how do I have to deal with this, I, I think that's great. It's a great order of operations. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It, it's just said- great. Yeah. I took you off your path. You were doing the why of forgiveness. Well, the why is because Jesus paid for it. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And I think that's where the, a lot of the models are, even in the Christian church, the model is if I forgive, I'm going to bear the cost. All right. Mm-hmm. You run into me in a car. I'm no, we're not calling the insurance. I'm just going to pay for it. And I'm going to forgive you. That's what we feel. But it's actually more like you ran into me in my car and I grabbed your, I found your insurance number and I called your insurance agent and a bigger comp- bigger entity paid for it. So it's it's it settles the who pays and the why. Jesus paid for it and we forgive because it honors the sacrifice we have benefited from by forgiving others. Mm-hmm. I actually put a blog out today. It's kind of interesting. I probably don't need to go into it deeply, but in Colossians 2, when he's talking about we're in him, in him, in him, he, we, we're circumcised, circumcised in him. With him. We were with him when we, he died. We we're with him when he rose up. And we were in him. So we were actually in him when he paid for our sins, right? Which means we were in him when he paid for your sins, Yeah. right? So forgiveness is simply, just to define it quickly, it's applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer, realizing Jesus already paid for it. And in the physical experience, when I don't forgive people, I personally am usually afraid of what I will lose. If I let go of this, what's it going to cost me? Yeah. So I think I'm getting a benefit. And what you're saying is that's like me not calling the insurance that's going to pay for all of the stuff I'm afraid is going to cost me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I end up having to pay for my car too. Yeah. I'm paying for everything, right. yeah. but I'm still being protective. And it's because, like you said, at the core, I'm afraid the blood of Christ is too impotent. Mm-hmm to meet the needs of my heart. And when I can say that out loud, that feels really uncomfortable to me to say, but I'm living as if, yep. so I need to admit it. Yeah, we're unbelieving believers a lot of times, aren't we? Mm-hmm. we? We believe in the work of Christ, but we just don't believe the work of Christ works for me today. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way, the, it either works in every case or no case. All right, we parked one of the hows out there, but it was the number six how. So let get, get us to some of these hows, man. All right. Well, the protocols are, are similar. Again, forgiveness is a process. It's a it's a transaction. Uh, some people think it's a it's a process because it's really a series of transactions, right? Mm-hmm. We we have many things we have to forgive, right? Uh, the guy that came to us, he had to forgive his sister for multiple things. He had to forgive himself for multiple things. So it's it's a choice. Uh, but we we've uncovered seven protocols that God downloaded to us. We are very 
and it's been for we've been doing this for 14 years and these when these are in place god himself says you forgiven in the tormentors league first one is thank god for forgiving you mm-hmm. recognizing the matthew 18 story we're the first servant not the second servant so we realize that puts us an attitude of gratitude puts us in a, a position of humility right right God, thank you for forgiving me. I didn't deserve it. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for that. Uh, that changes everything for us. Um, and I think it's interesting. Jesus probably, if you look at the miracles Jesus forgave, that, that Jesus performed, he gave thanks before the miracles, not after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank you, God, for forgiving me. Protocol number two, repent. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I don't want to go past that just yet because— you talked about that guy uh, needing to forgive his sister, needing to forgive himself, and self-forgiveness seems like such a different category and monster, but I have never considered the master telling me, how dare you not forgive you for this small piece? Are you not recognizing all that I forgave? Like, to put the forgiveness mm-hmm. of self into that story is kind of messing with my head a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it messes with a lot of people's head. A lot of theologians go crazy on this, but it forget we don't forgive people; we forgive wounds, right? Mm-hmm. But the wounds were caused by people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I was teaching this in Israel to a, a group of, of of ministry leaders. Half were Messianic, half were Arab, and uh, they had not forgiven each other for what Dad did, right? So they're still mm-hmm. even the believers, Christ followers, are they're like this, you know the the. And so one of the guy, ladies in a Q&A said, are you telling me I have to forgive Hitler? And I said, yes, I am telling you that. Because yeah. you don't, it's because as, as despicable as that man, of a man as that is and how we dis- denounce everything he did, he's created in the image of God. So mm-hmm. we forgive him for what he did. We're not forgiving him. We're forgiving him for what he did. And the blood of Jesus either works in the extreme case or, the, or, or doesn't work in the common case. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the blood of Jesus covers all sins, including what the Nazis did to the Jews. So it's about dealing with the wound. So you you realize I have I have been forgiven so much, and when I don't forgive myself, I'm saying, um, okay, God, you did most of it, but I know I, you, you've got the bill. I'll cover the tip. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we think it's insufficient. I've got to do something, and that kind of goes back to. You know, we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've got to do something. We've got to work. We've got to work. That's that anti-gospel message that is so permeating us as humans and unfortunately as the church. But it's enough. So when we when we forgive ourselves, we're just we're just lining ourselves with what we said God did for us. Yeah. All right. So listeners, keep filtering both forgiveness of others and if you're struggling with forgiveness yourselves, keep filtering these protocols through that. Protocol number two is repentance. Repent of your sin of unforgiveness. Mm. Because unforgiveness isn't a bad idea. It's a sin. And I Mm. think it's the most harshly disciplined sin we can commit as a believer. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so how do you deal with sin? You repent of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If this isn't in place, you won't do the rest. Uh, That's called a kid um, to forgive I mean, it was at the end of a long day. I was working with a college group, and it was it was crazy day. At the end, it's like eleven thirty at night, and 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 the guy bring the the leader brings him to me, and he I said, "Who do you need to who who wounded you?" He says, "My dad." I mean, he said, "Mike, Mike." 
Well, who's Mike to you? He's my dad, technically. So he didn't raise you. He wasn't with your mom. No, they raised me. Mom's it's an attack family, but I don't call him dad. And I appreciate if you didn't either. He's Mike. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were just learning this. We were just putting this together. We're still writing the book. We're finishing it up. And, uh, and we were looking at the order and we, he wasn't ready to repent. So we went on to the, the forgiveness protocol, uh, it, the actual forgiveness protocol for number four. And he was going through the motion. And I came back and I said, you're, you're blowing smoke here. And I'm going back to the hotel because it's really late. And I don't have time if you're not serious. I was not being necessarily gracious. And I don't recommend that counseling approach. But it's what I did that night because I was really tired. And uh, <laughs> when I get tired, I get sometimes less than patient. And, um, and so he goes, okay, I for- so if you don't forgive, if you don't repent of your sin of front forgiveness, Toward Mike, we have we. I can't help you. Mm-hmm. He says, "Okay, I repent of my sin of unforgiveness." Toward mm-hmm. he literally could not. It was a Fonzie moment. He could not get the word out. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Come on, dude. It's either now or we're going." And he goes, "I for, repent of my sin of unforgiveness toward my, my, my dad." Mm-hmm. And then he went on to say, "I forgive my dad for my dad." He never used Mike again. See, that repentance lines us up with the Holy Spirit. It clean, it gets the tormentors, at, puts them at bay. It opens up the, I think our unforgiveness impacts our ability to pray. And uh, so it actually opens up the, the, the pathway or the pipe between us and the Holy Spirit, which frees us up to hear his voice, to know where the root wounds are. Okay, so there's, again, this, this underlying fear, <clears throat> whether it's acknowledged or not, that I think, comes with the confusion between justification and forgiveness. When someone wrongs me, I say, it's okay. I'm sorry. I have no right to say that that which was not right is okay. Correct. I can say I can forgive you. So when I repent of my sin of unforgiveness, that does not mean I am removing the things that happened. Correct. Because I think that's an underlying fear for people. Okay, so I'm saying it doesn't matter. No, it's saying I'm looking at the same data through the lens of the gospel. I am putting Correct. the gospel goggles on. And so the repentance, the, the changing of my mind, the metanoia is actually reframing a story with the same details, but it's a whole new narrative. Is that correct? Yes, I think so. And what we're basically lining up, we're basically saying, God, I was wrong to dishonor your blood by putting what happened to me above it. Mm-hmm. And I'm now realigning my thinking that your blood is enough for this. Again, forgiveness doesn't say what he did was okay. It says it was paid for. Mm-hmm. And they no longer owe me. Whatever outstanding debt there may or may not be is between you and them. It's not between me. Whatever whatever has to be dealt with, that's between you and them. But I and I'm receiving the blood of Jesus, and I didn't, and I was wrong to not receive the blood. Now I accept the blood of Jesus, and I apply it to this to these wounds. Okay, so that's what repentance is looking like. Number three, we move on to ask God, who do I forgive and for what? Because again, we don't forgive mm-hmm. people, we forgive wounds. But the wounds are often driven deep into our heart, and we have buried them, we've hidden them. And it's interesting, we've coached way over a 1,000 couples, way over, to freedom. We have a 95% breakthrough rate in one sitting. Couples on their way to divorce, one lady said, uh, I'm only here because the judge says we have to see one other person. We, he chose you. I didn't care who. 
can we get this over with so I can call the judge? Three and a half later, hours later, the same lady said, you're a pastor, right? I said, I have been accused. Uh, she said, can we renew our vows now? I mean, that's kind of what we do. But every single time, it's never not been the case. The wound that's causing the torment or that's driving the torment, that's causing the uh, conflict in the relationship, predate the couple knowing each other. Mm-hmm. So how do you know where those root wounds are? You ask the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how many times when we're done, someone says, I, I haven't thought about that in years. And a spouse says, I never knew anything about that. Mm-hmm. So you're asking the Holy Spirit to now come in and God, would you reveal to me the things that you want me to forgive? It's basically saying, I'm not figuring this out. I need you to do it. And he's incredibly interested and highly motivated, much more than we are, that we choose to forgive. I had a person tell me once, if you've never heard God speak to you clearly and directly, then just ask him, hey, who do I need to forgive? And, <laughs> and so starting at age 17, I did that. And every time I ended up having to make an awkward phone call. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So we're asking the Holy Spirit. Not just who, but the what, which I love that you keep bringing that up, that these are about forgiving specific wounds, not just general people. Number four. This is actually the the what we would call the forgiveness protocol. It's you you forgive each offense from your heart. The Matthew 18 verses, unless you forgive, Jesus said, unless you forgive from your heart. Why from your heart? Because that's where you're wounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony imagines it like you're pulling arrows out of your heart with each one that you're doing. So God will tell you, and we would suggest you deal with one person at a time. In other words, don't say, I forgive my mom for this and my dad for that. and whatever. Stay with mom, stay with dad, whoever you start, stay with them until you've finished forgiving. So from my heart, I choose to forgive this person for these things, and you begin to list the wounds. Now, the wounds are sometimes actions. Sometimes they're inactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they're words. Sometimes they're, they're words that weren't said. Uh, sometimes it's messages for making me feel. All right. So I forgive my dad for not showing up at my ball games. And uh, you know, you, you don't have to list every time he didn't show up. You can cluster those. But uh, I forgive my my dad for for cheating on my mom, for making me feel like I wasn't important, for putting work over us, so making me feel like I I never measured up. Whatever though, you're forgiving these specific things that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. And and, some point, and, and this tells me if I haven't truly done steps one and two. So if I'm unable to do step four, I need to go back like that young man. Yep. And go back to the gratitude and repentance. Yep until I can pull the arrows out, right? Yeah, yeah. And if and, and if you're still doing it in your head, you've not you've got to go back on that repentance thing. You got to get to your heart. And you it's interesting in the middle of it there'll almost always be a, a a lull, a silence. And we 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 embrace the silence because the problem with prayer is prayer is supposed to be a dialogue and we make it a monologue most of the time. <laughs> we don't we don't shut up enough for God to hear to, for us to hear God for him to speak. So listen, Holy Spirit, is there anything else? And that's oftentimes where the roots come out. Now, I can also apply this to myself, right? Yes. I need to look at the arrows that are still unforgiven that I have done that I'm holding on to that guilt and shame. Yeah. 
the forgiving self is the number one uh, category of people we for, uh, coach people to forgive. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we coach more people to forgive themselves than parents are really close, uh-huh. but it's self. And so, but when, when the Holy Spirit is silent, you're done, right? You, when you're first doing it, it may be the la- not be the last time, last thing you have to forgive that person for, but sometimes the Holy Spirit says, that's enough bandwidth. You only have so much bandwidth today. That's enough for today. We'll deal with that. But you've got the root ones. And oftentimes when you deal with the root ones, the minor ones don't matter, right? Uh, so once you know the Holy Spirit's done, you say, I declare this person is no longer in my debt because I transfer the debt to the cross of Jesus where he paid for it all. Mm-hmm. It's a transaction. I'm transferring the debt to the cross. I'm receiving the blood. It's, it's like when you, when, you, um, when you close on a house, I mean, it, it may feel like that buying a house is a process, but it really isn't. It's a transaction. You're in a closing office and uh, you give somebody money and they give you a deed, right? And so that's what's happening here. I, and you're, you're basically signing the deal. I declare this person's no longer in my debt. I'm transferred to the cross. Jesus paid for it. I'm satisfied. All right. We are getting to number five and we've parked a car in number six. That's six stalls. So give me number five. Yeah. Number five is ask God to bless them and look for ways to bless them when possible. If you oh, can't. Oh, shut, shut up, Bruce. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, if you can't forgive some, uh, bless someone, you've not forgiven them. Yeah, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. To repent, that's it. While we were still enemies, mm-hmm. God blessed us with the greatest blessing of all—the death of His Son. And so, God is calling us to bless because unforgiveness says they need to what pay. But grace says, I want them to receive. Mm. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, right? So I I, I want the mercy of God on me, but I also want the grace of God on me. I want want that, yes, God, thank you. I I want the blessing. And oftentimes it's the blessing that that when we bless, that's when the freedom happens. So let me call out my, my codependent listeners right now that says, right, so I'm supposed to go. And help them out again. And that is not what you are saying. That, that is we are not saying. what I'm saying. So for those of you that are listening that feel like, oh, that's what you skipped ahead to. Skip number one through four and just went back into being the agent of blessing. Talk to us about that if that well, is our issue. You ask God to bless them and you look for ways to bless them when possible. Right. So but that when you're doing when you're asking God to do it, God, you you forgave it. You bless them. Right. When, but God will oftentimes lead you to do it. We actually go, going back to the reconciliation piece, we tell people, unless God specifically tells you to, and normally you're going to have to do it if you're married. But other than that, I'm, we're saying you've got to be very clear. Don't go tell them you've forgiven. Yeah. Mm. Because if they haven't repented, they'll reject your forgiveness. And that's mm. another wound you're going to have to forgive. And their ego will get involved and they'll move away. So what you do is you come to the table and the, God will send the Holy Spirit to draw them to repentance. But you're, that's why when I said repentance says what I did was wrong, what can I do to make it right? Well, thank you very much, but Jesus already paid for it. Enjoy the table. We are there ready, wanting good for them. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean I go, God may tell me to go bless them. 
He may mm-hmm. tell me something to do. If he tells me to do something, it's probably a good idea to do it. But we we don't do that unless God is making it clear to us. And uh, what's interesting, um, in Romans 12, it says, never take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In so doing, you'll reap coals of fire on his head. Well, that doesn't mean what I used to think. Okay, I'm going to go good to them, and I'm going to step back and get my marshmallows out. We're going to have a roaster. (laughs) Get them, God, right? No, this is actually a a sign of repentance in the Roman culture. What they would do, be similar to what the Hebrews did with sackcloth and ashes, right? Mm-hmm. They would take, if someone was wrong and, and they were repentant, they would take it and done something really dastardly or really scandalous. They would take a bowl of coals, put it on a platter, put it on their head and walk around saying, I deserve to burn for what I did. It was actually a sign of repentance. So when we do good to someone, we're going to mess with their head because they mm-hmm. know they des- we deserve, they know what they did was wrong, even they don't know, even if they don't admit it. So when we do good to them, we look for ways to bless them. That doesn't mean you let them back. I didn't let my son back in a house yet, right? right? But, you know, he needed some, he'd come by, we'd feed him, right? Or we would, you know, we we would we would be kind to him. We would bless him. We would get, we gave him Christmas gifts, the whole thing. So we we did what we could to show them we still loved and we still there although the behavior was not acceptable. Right. That, so but, so again it comes back to what you said. Let us not confuse forgiveness with bad boundaries, which becomes unloving to other people around us and ourselves. Yeah. yeah. All right. And, and the person we're putting the boundary up. Yes, absolutely. So, so number six is, well, let me wrap up five. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is where the torment, this is where the torment leads. We always ask the question, uh, how's your heart? Mm-hmm. Uh we get things like my heart's light. My heart is free. I can breathe again. Uh, I, I, I have peace. Uh, one lady in South Africa said, I came in, I felt like I had boulders in my chest. Now it feels like cotton candy. I mean, this is where the bre- one lady the other day said, I'm so free. I've never been this way. Uh, in fact, when I was forgiving, I don't, I didn't, I knew you were in the room and my husband was holding my hand, but I, I, I was just me and Jesus. I'm clean. We actually ran to a couple, three days later. Jeez, how you doing? Awesome. So this is where the tormentors leave. The qu- number six is dealing with the question, how do you deal with the memory? And again, you can't choose to forget something because if you choose to, uh, but in order to choose to forget something, you have to concentrate on that, which you're forgiving or forgetting. Right, right, right. And you'll never forget the thing you're concentrating on. Mm-hmm. Right? So we choose not to remember which means when the memory comes, we know what to do with it. So I spe- the, what we say is, I specifically remember forgiving that. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Yeah. It did not happen. It still happened. The people who wounded us, they still did what they did. We still have, we still see people, we still we still know what happened and the consequences uh, to us of it. But, but I specifically remember forgiving that. I remember transferring that note to Jesus. So I, I sold I love that. Yeah. I sold <laughs> I sold the house. Mm-hmm. I used to go into the house and and drink what I want to drink or whatever, but I sold the house and if I go in the house now, I'll get arrested for unlawful entry. So we sold the house. I specifically remember 
forgiving that and transferring to the cross. So God, thank you for the freedom I got when I forgave. Thank you for the lightness in my heart. Thank you that I was doing incredible. Thank you I could breathe again. Thank you I felt like all this, this, this darkness left and I'm just full of light. Thank you for that. And God, this person must need a blessing again. Would you bless them? Would you just, just go crazy with them? Just bless them. Uh, and if every time, because again, you're not bringing the memory up. God is not bringing the memory up. Who's bringing the memory up? The enemy is bringing the memory up. And if every time you turn a memory he brings to you into praise and blessing, it's counterproductive and he'll leave you alone. He'll so try step, step one, I'm grateful for the forgiveness I received. And here in step six, I get to enjoy gratitude for the given, forgiveness God allowed me to participate in giving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Satan, Satan will try one other thing, though. He'll say, uh, yeah, but you didn't forgive this, Aaron. And it'll remind you of something you didn't forgive. You hadn't fought forgiven, at which time you say, you're right. I forgot all about that. Thank you very much. From my heart, I choose to forgive this person for this thing. And I transfer their debt to the cross. God, would you bless them real big and go crazy, God? Just give them a right big blessing. Now, Satan, anything else you want to remind me of? No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> leave you alone. Uh, Boy, step five and six, you're really calling out the churchianity BS platitude of, I love you, but I don't like you. That yeah. doesn't seem possible in in protocols yeah. five and six. No. I love you. I don't like what you did, but mm -hmm. I love you, and I'm not rejecting you. And uh, protocol number seven is simply, we, we say, make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. Choose to choose to believe and live out the reality that every wound you ever have, have or will suffer has been paid for by Jesus on the cross, and they don't need to do anything. I, just, I It's paid for. I'm going to forgive it. Now, again, and we may not be in a relationship, but we're going to forgive them, and we're going to make, we're going to, we're going to forgive ahead of time, and then we're going to deal with the relationship coming out of the freedom we've already received because we have forgiven. And that's where forgiveness forward starts to happen as a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgiving forward, taking it to the we we receive it, we're passing it on, and it's what we do. All right, let me let me throw out one concern I have that comes out of the church, and I've seen this lots of times. I think I have seen it most with abused women, that they have been told by pastors or leaders, or they just believe they've been told, that if they feel anger for abuses that have happened to them, then they are not being a good Christian. They're supposed to forgive. And so I see Christians spiritually bypass emotions that are appropriate and good. God is angry. Um, however, anger in me has has a, a shelf life. It becomes toxic if that's where I'm living. However, to not experience righteous anger, uh, it feels like that can be dangerous when people ignore emotions to simply forgive and not process through that. Talk to me about that. Um. I think that that when we forgive, the emotions will come in line with the truth, right? Uh, but I think emotions are there. God, Ephesians says, "Be angry and don't, don't sin." sin. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, "Don't be angry." It says, "Be angry and don't sin." If if, if something comes up that it, that it, it, 
ignites anger in you, don't sin in it. Right. All right. So those, some of those women would say, yeah, I get angry. And then I said, I hate you or whatever. Well, you know, same thing, you know, you're now moving into a God space that you don't belong in. Right. Right. But you have a, a legitimate hurt. You have a legitimate betrayal. You have a legitimate, you need to, what do you do with that? You take it to the cross. Is Jesus enough for that? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean if they're abusive, you go back into that. Um, Again, we're not saying boundaries. that. Right, right. Because just because I've forgiven you does for hitting me in the face doesn't mean I'm not going to move my head next time you swing your fist. Right? So if someone's not repentant, you're not reconciled, and it's not good for you or them for you to, to, to be in that. So, so sometimes there has to be a separation, but you do it in such a way, you forgive first, and you do it in such a way that it honors God and on and 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 seeks the best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't do that at the expense of walking through the the broken pieces, the trauma pieces. No. That's part of the process you're describing. Yeah. And so, if our version of forgiveness is don't feel or ignore your feelings and just be all about them. That's not this process. This process includes both parties. It, that, that the reconciliation does. Uh, and I think that, that I would separate two things. The last thing you said, uh, that we don't disavow feelings, but we don't make it all about that either. Right. right. So we, we take those feelings to the cross. Right. And we have seen people emit the anger leaves, the, the hurt is transformed into a uh, not an open wound, but a, but just a scab or a scar. And so so I think, you know, I, think that's, I think that's the difference, though. The anger leaving means that the anger was present. Correct. And so I'm really talking about the people who are trying to ignore things because they believe certain emotions are wrong that are correct emotions, and then those emotions dealt with but but if we're still i'm trying to picture people trying to go through this process while ignoring the experience and that's where it gets to the specifics of pulling out the individual arrows right i feel like that's the time where it's like really no this this was something that was done to me this is specific this was wrong and so I'm, yeah I'm, it's, it's recognizing yeah. owning it and, and and again i forgive him for making me so angry for, for what he for 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 causing me to be so angry i forgive him for making for betraying me and make me feel like i was worthless i forgive him for these things what we've experienced what we've witnessed is that when when someone chooses to forgive the 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 emotions come in line and when someone doesn't choose to forgive the emotions become a weapon of the tormentor and they mm-hmm. use the emotions against us. So God isn't doesn't say don't feel your emotions. Those emotions w- should draw us back to Christ. Mm-hmm. Those emotions should we have a need. God take me back. I I, I need some. What do I do? I, I love that the emotions come into line because otherwise they become toxic. They've stayed Correct. on the shelf. They've gone bad. They're poisoning us now, but we keep eating it anyways. Well, it is. I think it, uh, Aaron's worse than that. It, it actually becomes weapons of the tormentor. Mm. The toxicity is happening because the tormentor is using the emo- the, the 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 out of balance 
or unforgiven emotions or the emotions of the unforgiven as a weapon against them. And he uses it and it makes it worse. And he gets you rehearse it, rethink it. You know, some of the problems I have with some of the, not, I, I, I love what you guys are doing, but some of the support groups are just, we're just rehashing the old wounds. We just keep rehashing what happened. We're just, mm-hmm. we're just, we're just, we're picking at scabs instead of saying, yeah, we recognize what are you struggling with? Let's deal with that. Well, where's the cross in this? And let's take you to Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the emotions will, our experience is the emotions come into alignment when we forgive, when we don't forgive, they go crazy. They go out one, of bounds. One last thought as you were saying that that came to mind is the right, for me, the sole importance of an emotion like anger brings me to the place that I feel like, wow, I feel angry because he feels angry about those things too and yet forgives. But for me to believe he forgives and somehow that means, well, yeah, that was really bad, but I love him a lot too. So he's, you know, that doesn't matter. Then I have a father who, who is not outraged by things that are outraging my heart. So that alignment for me is when I can see this emotion is pointing towards right emotion in God and yet both come to the cross. Absolutely. Because God... God's love does does not ju- does not uh, validate sin. God's love caused him to justify sin. His justice had his wrath had to be uh, satisfied, and that was satisfied on the cross. And, he, and I think that's part of the reason he, he lets us be tormented because we're dishonoring that by expecting more out of that. So he's he's disciplining our sin. He's disciplining their sin. He's he hates sin. He hates. Sin and but he loves people, so we have to separate the sin, the behavior from the person. Love the person, but don't accept the behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Nate, you just won't be quiet, and I just <laughs> didn't get a word in edgewise. What do you? I got? have enjoyed this conversation, and uh, uh, and I'm certain that our listeners have as well. Uh, Doctor Hebel, can't thank you enough for giving us so much time and for being willing to, to uh, follow us deep into the truth of uh, forgiveness. Well, hey, the book, again, is Forgiving Forward. And uh, you guys have an ongoing ministry there. Uh, tell, uh, tell our listeners where you're located, how they can reach you. All right. We, we're located in Fayetteville, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Uh, we have a center there. Uh, our website is forgivingforward.com forgivingforward.com. Uh, you can get a copy of our book there. Uh, you also can go to, if you, if you scroll down on the website and you see, get the guide, uh, mm-hmm. and you click on that, uh, you can, we'll give you a free download of the protocols that I just talked oh, about. Okay. And, awesome. uh, so they can do that. We actually have a new video curriculum. Uh, we, we've had one since 2012. We redid it completely and released it last year. Uh, and, and it's called the course online. It's actually on right now media. If you're on right now media, uh, there's, there's, uh, study guides. Uh, it's created for small group design. There's eight sessions in it. Uh, the last one is Q and a answer. Some of the questions we answer today, we answer all the questions in the course, but there's let's follow mm-hmm. up and, on, on some of the ones that are more difficult for people. Uh, and so that's what we do. And if we can help you, we do personal coaching. Uh, we're actually training coaches. Uh, if you want to, 
uh, be trained as a coach and, and, and help people get free, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to help you do that too as, as well. So our next coaching intensive, I think, is in our center here in Fayetteville on uh, November the 11th. You have to be through either seminar or uh, the video course before you come to that, but uh, we'd love to train you. Well, Nate, I think we are out of time. We don't even yeah. need a closing wrap-up. So, Bruce, you can participate in our closing if you're able to say your name. Oh, okay. Not, not yet, uh, though. Just, uh, just uh, wait uh, for it. I can say my name. Okay. Okay, all right. Wait Most for the cue. All right. All right. That's it for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Bruce. And we are your pal on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.